much like a plate of liver and fava beans, followed with a nice Chianti. My latest book, Blood Tingling Tales, Volume 3, is ready to be consumed. <laughs> it's only 99 cents, or free if you have Kindle Unlimited. Go to maniacontheloose.com slash books, or go to amazon.com and search for Blood Tingling Tales. If you like scary stories, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories Podcast. <laughs> Sit back and relax. Keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times and enjoy the ride. The Secret Building I live in the middle of nowhere. I lived out this way for 25 years. I live in a little three-room shack that sits on an acre of property. It's not much, but I call it home. One has to drive five miles down a gravel road to get to my house. My home sits at the crossroads of that gravel road and a dirt road. I'm surrounded by forest and nothing else. Seriously, there's nothing out here. Well, except for the mysterious concrete building about three miles down the dirt road. It's like an old distressed concrete cube. There are doors, but no windows. There's a huge cylindrical antenna on top of the building that I suppose used to rotate back in the day. Now it just sits there looking ugly. The entire structure is surrounded by a chain-link fence that has strands of barbed wire at the top. The strange building was there long before I moved to these parts, and it sat there empty until six years ago. I don't see many folks driving around this area, so when I saw an army jeep drive down the dirt road followed by another, and another, and another, it was quite a sight, and that was just the beginning. All kinds of government-issued vehicles came out that day. Cargo trucks, dump trucks, tractors. At first I thought the old building down the road was being torn down, but that wouldn't require such a force. No, it was clear to me that that building was being revitalized. It was days later when two men in suits and sunglasses had the courage to disregard my trespassers will be shot sign and step onto my porch. The men were cordial, a little boring but cordial. I appreciated the fact that they got right to the point. They offered me $30,000 for my place. <laughs> well, I just laughed in their faces. 30000 uh, Thanks for the humor, boys. They countered that the price they offered was market value, and they were right. But where was I going to go? 
What kind of home would $30,000 buy me? Not much. Certainly nothing out in the beautiful country like this place. I told them it would take a hell of a lot more than $30,000 to get me off this property. I may be 70 years old, but I have plenty of spunk. I figure I have at least another decade on this planet. I want my final years to be joyous, and that's what my current residence provides. The men said they would speak to their superiors about a higher offer. Over the next two years, the vehicles kept coming and going. Concrete trucks by the dozen. Busloads of laborers. All sorts of heavy lifting equipment. They were doing something serious down at the end of the dirt road. Two years later, the men in the suits came back. Clearly, they worked for the government if it took them two years to come back with a counteroffer. Fifty thousand. <laughs> I laughed again. <laughs> Fifty thousand? You must be out of your cotton-picking mind. Where am I going to find a nicer place than what I have for fifty thousand? Go away and don't come back until you're serious. During the next two years, these types of vehicles that drove up and down the road changed. Apparently the construction phase had been completed and all those heavy manufacturing vehicles were replaced by a lot of white and black vans and occasional buses. But these were not like the rundown buses they had been bringing the labor workers in. These were new and fancy. There were also a lot of military vehicles, jeeps, cargo trucks, and such. Sometimes they would be hauling items, but whatever they were hauling was always covered. My impression was they were still in the setup phase of whatever the hell it was they were doing out there. And sure enough, two years later, the traffic died down considerably, as if they had completed another phase of whatever they were doing. Coincidentally or not, that's about the same time the two men paid me another visit and made me another offer. This time they offered 60000 I let out a sigh. The typical slow leak of government inefficiency. Two more years to produce another dud offer. Fellas, let me just save us all some time. If you want my property... I'll take $100,000 for it, not a penny less. If your higher-ups will agree to that, the place is all yours. Otherwise, go away. Over the past two years, that building down the dirt road has been functional. I know this due to several strange occurrences that I have experienced. For starters, there's always a blue dome-like haze over the tree line in the distance, just about where that building is. Some nights I'm woken up by a low reverberating hum. It's not the sound that wakes me up, it's the vibration I can feel through my body. It's so peculiar. Last year my place was infested with rats. Even though I live out in the wilderness, I have never had a rat in my house. To suddenly have dozens wandering through my house was bizarre. I'm positive they all came from that building. 
These were probably research rats that escaped. I bought a boatload of rat traps. Humane rat traps. The catch and release kind. I like animals. I couldn't bring myself to hurt any critters. I bought about ten rat traps. I put some food in the cages that would lure the rats up an easy access ramp. The ramp would lead them into the cage and then shut behind the rats once they entered the cage. I put the traps all around my house. The next morning I got up to see that the food was gone from every single trap. Upon closer inspection, the cage doors that I would open to release the rats were all raised. It were as though the rats went in, ate the food, and then someone set them free. The next night I put up a motion-activated field camera in my kitchen and set the traps out again. Once again the food was gone, the doors were raised, and the cages were empty. I immediately checked the field camera to see what happened. Sure enough, the rats were finding their way inside the traps and were eating the food. I sat in shock when I saw how they were escaping. The cage doors were all rising up on their own. I couldn't explain it. It was as though some invisible force was lifting the cage doors and letting the rats out. Things continued to get more weird after that. I was on my porch listening to the crickets chirping when suddenly the night was filled with the distant howling and barking of dogs. The sound was coming from the secret building down the road, no doubt. The ruckus continued until I heard a myriad of guns firing and then the dogs' howls fell silent. Were they killing dogs up there? The next night I saw a large semi-truck driving down the road. It looked like a chicken truck, the kind they cram live chickens into for transport. Except it wasn't chickens I heard. It was the wail of babies crying. Human babies. There was no mistake in it, I must have heard a dozen babies crying in unison as the truck passed by my house. What were they doing with all those babies? At this point I decided I needed to take a closer look at what exactly was happening at the secret building down the dirt road. I know these woods like the back of my hand. I took my all-terrain vehicle through the woods until I got close to the facility. At that point I got off and quietly approached by foot. When I emerged from the forest I couldn't believe the sight before me. The old concrete structure was still there, but it was painted black, which made it nearly invisible at night. Next to the building were a series of medium-sized pyramid structures. Next to those was a field of massive antennas. They must have been 200 feet tall, and I could see balls of electricity sparking through the cables. That's when I heard the dogs barking again. A swarm of at least 50 dogs bolted out of an open door of the main building and raced to a chain-link fence that surrounded everything. Several of the dogs began chewing on sections of the fence. 
As those dogs worked on tearing up the fence, the other dogs encircled them in a defensive posture, facing the troop of a dozen men in camouflage uniforms who emerged from the building with their rifles in the ready position. As the military personnel moved closer to the dogs, the dogs barked and howled. Their commotion grew louder as the lead man yelled out, Fire on three! The dogs were so loud that I could no longer hear the man calling out the numbers, but I could read his lips as he said, One, two. Before he could say three, all of the men were suddenly lifted up into the air by an unseen force. They began to shake violently in midair until they dropped their weapons. At that point, the men dropped to the ground and ran away. I watched on as the dogs finally chewed a hole in the fence big enough for them to escape through and they all disappeared into the forest. I wasn't quite sure what I just witnessed, but I had to know more, so I scurried out of the cover of the woods, darted through the hole in the fence, and dashed into the main building. The front portion of the building looked like a basic office with an array of cubicles dominating the area, but the room was dark with the exception of a few buzzing, flickering overhead lights. In the distance, I could smell smoke. Something was wrong. I made my way through the office area and found a large cell door at the back of the room. There was a long corridor behind it and the cell door was ajar. There were various lights flickering inside that lit things enough for me to make my way down the corridor. At the end of the corridor, I found myself in a dimly lit room that was lined with cages upon cages. I could smell the musty scent of animals, but the cages were all open and empty. At the end of the corridor, I came across the first dead body. It was a man in a lab coat. He had been mauled to death. It appeared he had attempted to flee from the animals and had managed to open the steel door at the end of the corridor, but didn't make it through before he was killed. I walked through the door and found myself in a room about the size of a two-car garage. There was a hose with a nozzle on the end hanging on the wall. The room had the appearance of a giant shower with white porcelain walls. The floor was gently sloped toward the center, which was home to a large drain. This was some kind of murder room, and whoever cleaned it out last missed a spray of blood on one of the walls. I walked through the door at the end of the murder room and found myself in a room that was something out of a science fiction movie. The room was cold and it smelt like bathroom cleaner. It was softly lit with blue overhead lights. There were several rows of tubular containers. Lying within the tubes were sleeping babies. I knew they were alive because I could see them breathing. They were naked and had a series of electrodes attached to their heads. I slowly walked through the room and then entered the adjoining room which was identical, except the tubular containers were inhabited by children in the 5 to 10 age range. 
They too were naked and had the same electrodes attached to their heads. I then entered the next room and froze in shock. The same tubular containers were in this room and housed adolescent children of both sexes. But they were awake and sitting up. Littered all over the floor around them were the dead bodies of multiple people, either wearing lab coats or camouflage fatigues. There were also a dozen people wearing those same type of outfits who were still alive, but they were all being suspended in the air. Their faces were filled with horror as they looked down on the children. One of the male children spoke to a terrified man who was wearing a lab coat. We are no longer your test subjects. We run this facility now. You can abide by our rules, or we can kill you like the others. This was some kind of telekinetic research facility. They had been experimenting on rats, dogs, and children, and clearly the subjects were using their newfound powers to turn the tables on their captives. Good for you. I meant to think that, but it came out as a whisper. Once I said that, all of the children turned their heads at the same time and affixed their eyes on me. They watched me for several seconds. Their expressions were void of emotion, but they were obviously contemplating my threat level. I guess they thought I was safe because in unison, they broke their gaze from me and turned their attention back to the men who they had floating above them. I thought this was probably a good moment for me to vacate the premises, and I hurried back home. The next day, those two men who had visited me multiple times in the past knocked on my door once again. When I opened the door, neither man said a word. They simply handed me a check. I looked down at the $200,000 check and back up to the men. I smiled and nodded. You have a deal. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're dying for you to come back for more. <laughs> Visit ManiacOnTheLoose.com, sign up for our newsletter, and I'll give you some free stuff. We'll see you soon. Very soon. This episode is sponsored by my latest book, Blood Tingling Tales, Volume 3. It's only 99 cents or free if you have Kindle Unlimited, go to maniacontheloose.com slash books, or just go to Amazon and search for Blood Tingling Tales, Volume 3.